Good morning, good morning, good morning. Anybody want to sing along with me? Okay. This is Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners, Margaret Tharp, and whatever his name is, back on the air again from oh, Landscape David. Alaska. So I'm singing along <laughs> silently. Okay. I like it. This is a Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. It's a college show. We reach out all over Southeast Alaska. We want to talk about landscaping, We want gardening. to talk about anything. All we want to talk things. about what wonderful, wonderful weather it is and how much we're so thrilled to see the moisture back in the air. So pretty this morning coming to town. Just looking out at the wetlands, being so happy, soaking it all in. And in our yard, looking around at all those beautiful rhododendrons just going, yeah, everywhere rain on me, baby, every, rain on me. Ra- everywhere in town. And the azaleas, the azaleas are just... Really fabulous. And, you know, it is. It's shocking to think that. Oh, I didn't notice it until today that there is one there. And look how huge it is. And look how bright orange or bright yellow or what a beautiful shade of pink. And that coral color. Yeah. Oh man, that coral color just sends me. There's there's a couple of them. There's one that there's an incredible. There's two side by side at the park shore that I was fertilizing yesterday. That's pink on the outside. And then it's got a white interior flower with a bright yellow throat. Wow, that sounds great. <laughs> and so incredibly fragrant. Yeah. So incredibly fragrant. And, uh, you know, things are, you know, this is the deal. When it rains like this, you need to mow your lawn every four days. If, you let you, if you're feeding your lawn, you have to mow your lawn. And if you wait, like I waited a week to go f- from Friday to Friday at the park shore, and there was twice as much grass as I normally would have. So I'm going to have to start mowing every four days as best I can. Did not have to take, you know, because it's growing 24 hours a day. Yes. And it's not like it stops, it, gets, it slows down when it gets a little bit dark and night. But other than that, which is only for, what, an hour and a half? <laughs> and so other than that. That's really what it is. It's you know? growing continuously. And it's like this every year. I remember year after year after year, the same conversation going, we have to mow it more often. You it's have to mow to it. Last summer when it was really hot and dry, I didn't have to mow it all because the grass quit growing, right? Unless you were watering it which most people didn't do because we were having a water shortage and uh-huh. the extremes of year to year. But, you know, with this kind of weather, things just grow 24 hours a day. I agree. And not just the lawn, all kinds of stuff. No, right. Good. The thing about the lawn is... You got to mow it. <laughs> the ground is so wet that if you let it get too tall, it, it's really difficult to mow. And you're not going to keep a healthy lawn. You know, you want to keep your lawn cut pretty short and uh, try to reduce the amount of moss that's going to want to grow with this kind of weather by keeping your tr- your grass competitive, fed, and healthy. That's right. And, and the more you mow, the more it grows. That's just how it is. I know. It's just, I hate lawns. <laughs> 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 I take care of acres of lawn. Yeah, that's like the shoemakers. I shoemakers. do a good job, but it's just like... The shoemaker wants constant, to go barefoot. A constant struggle. Uh huh. You know, and uh, I need one more lawnmower, and I need another weed eater, and another person to mow. I need I I need all that. Right. If it's going to be like this, if it's going to be like this the month of July, I need another person. And it is going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like this. It's going to be brilliant growth all the time. Oh, good morning, conversations. Hello. 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 
Yes, good morning. I'm calling from Gustavus, and I have a lilac that is probably a little older than 30 years old and um, has never bloomed. I have it, and I have had had it moved once, and we moved it a couple weeks ago again to a sunnier spot. But it's very gangly, and so my question is, when can I prune it so I can start making it more of a bush? And how and how far back can I prune it? It's probably six feet tall and probably six or seven feet wide in terms of the branches, but they're very gangly. So this is Margaret, and who am I talking to? This is Norma. Hi, Norma. Norma. Um, we have this place out here. So. Sure. Uh, one of the things that David's been doing is asking people to send them a picture, you know, people who are in the outer edges of the world and not in Juneau, that in Gustavus and Cake and places like that with lilacs or trees, send him a picture uh, through the email so he can actually um, show you in a diagram on that plant where to prune it to. Oh, great. That'd you know what I mean? Fantastic. So then you have a little guide to use <laughs> in an application because any lilac that you've had that long, you want to see it produce. Mm-hmm. Right, and the right. other second thing will be feeding it. Lilacs usually bloom even in the shade if they're fed. They don't bloom as much, but they produce something. So I'll let David take over from here. Thank you. Okay, uh-huh. we'll tell you on the air. Okay, Norma. Thank you. You don't have to hang on. Okay, so there is this thing called renewal pruning, and and something like a lilac, which continuously sprouts from the root system. Is, is the perfect candidate for that. There's a lot of other things, but lilac's a good choice. And you can cut the big canes back quite a bit, particularly if, they're, if it's... Uh, gangly. Gangly, and you want it to be heavily foliated. The way to do that is to cut those canes back a long ways. And you can cut them back half their distance, and that'll force new growth out lower than that. Or if you're really a dramatic kind of person, you can cut the whole thing down and let it sprout again from the bottom. Because lilac that. will. That's that's right. <laughs> it makes you, makes you shiver, doesn't it? It does. Uh-huh. Something okay. that's 30 years old, give it a better... It'd be a shame to have that happen. Give it a better chance than and that. And I think, but really, you've got your finger on it. It's more about nutrition than anything else. Right. Now, as, to, as far as pruning time, in a general sense... The, the legendary phrase is you prune lilacs by cutting bouquets. So the correct time to prune them is when they're in bloom. And then the new growth that comes after that gets the, the stimulus and it forms buds on the end of it while it's growing. But in terms of a, a plant that you're trying to renovate, you don't really care about what flowers there are on it. That's the only reason you have a, a, a pruning time in the year is to maintain the flower system. But if you don't really care about that, you can prune them anytime you want. Everybody cares about that, David. Anybody who well, has a lilac. If you have a 30-year-old plant. Anybody who has a lilac cares about that. I know. You know so, there so, is that about so lilac. So what I would like to say is the next couple of weeks is a good time to prune your lilac. It is. Send you the picture so you can do a diagram on it for Norma and send it back to her. And anybody else that wants to know that too, send me photographs. I'll I'll mark it up and send it back to you. You know, so it's it, it's just a nice template. You know, you get a little marker and you make a, a absolutely. Line here and I there follow and you loud and no, clear. You're not going to do every little cut, but you're going to do the major cuts. Uh-huh. And it's pruning's fun. Pruning is one of the most fun things there is. And and kind of go online and you can Google up. 
pruning lilacs. And I don't know what kind of lilac you have, whether it's a French double lilac or it's a Korean lilac or what kind of lilac it is, but look it up and see what the experts online say about it. So when you do get your picture from David, you have a more confidence in what you're doing. We're having a Father's Day sale at Landscape Alaska. We're cutting them down to the ground and letting them come back. <laughs> That's right, just like we did. And I got a, uh, a new shipment of uh, dwarf Korean lilacs. Just came in, new little baby ones. So if somebody in gallon wants, cans. In gallon cans, little ones. So if somebody wants to plant a perimeter hedge or a cluster of them, or they want to make a little grove of lilac, this is the perfect time to do it. 20 bucks, 19.95, And they're darling little plants. Yeah, they look really nice. And as I was going through the area behind our other greenhouse, looking at the overwintered stock and the stuff that has been there for several years, I found about a dozen Japanese tree lilacs that I'd potted up five years ago and then stuck back there, thinking, I'll get to them next year, and I didn't. And so now they are pretty good-sized. And the tree lilac, this is a big tree. This grows to be... 12, 15 feet tall, pretty rapidly. Look at those Japanese maples keep coming on that we have healed in that gravel. Uh-huh. Th- th- those are very <laughs> impressive, <laughs> they and are. they're beautiful. Uh-huh. Some of them are full moon maples. They are. There's two of a pair. So um, They're so big, I can't figure out what to do with them now. Well, I can figure out what to do with them. You're in a machine, put them on a truck, and take them to my house. Okay, that's what I'll do with them then. All right, good. Okay, and and full moon maple I have in the Father's Day sale. I have one full moon dancing peacock maple. It's a really Uh, darling tree. uh That is a really, really darling tree. So it's a different species than the regular Japanese maples, but it is a traffic stopper. It's a japonica, right? So when the fall comes, yeah, it has these big split leaves, big, and the when the fall comes, they are red and gold and orange all on the same leaf. Mm-hmm. splotched and uh they're so cool they are only got one come and see me i'll show it to you and speaking of only got one i have this huge rhododendron huge rhododendron it's a dwarf rhododendron it's about 60 years old and i i bought it because i had the opportunity to do so and i couldn't resist it uh, yes <laughs> you know, you, you <laughs> when i unloaded it the market looked at me and she said and how are we going to plant it? And what are you going to do with that? <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> it's mine. I'm going to have it. Yes. The only thing that David's worse about than buying tools is buying plants. Oh. He absolutely can't resist it. It's true. I just couldn't resist it. And when it came into bloom this spring. It's a beautiful day. It was, you couldn't see the leaf on it. It's 10 feet across. We have to find a good spot for it. Right. Get it out of that box into the ground. Okay, well, I, I had the opportunity this last week to uh, stop in Bonnie Bray and visit the Greenings. And it was so the garden's a so pleasure. Pretty. Such a pleasure, yes. And uh, Brad and Bonnie welcomed me. Brad took me on tour around the backyard. And what was I doing when you were kind of t- touring around? You were planting giant arborvitas <laughs> in an inhospitable situation <laughs> with your laboring crew. With such good will and great hopes. I don't know. There's something about the balance here that's a little off. And, and I was and having a great tour- time strolling around, around and looking at the flowers. Exactly. And uh, 
And Brad pointed out some trees that they'd bought from me many, many years ago. Don't and they you have a pretty katsura in that yard? They got a beautiful katsura, and they've also got this big espaliered Gravenstein apple wow. that, that they got from us probably 20 years ago. I didn't know Gravenstein apples grew here. Well. This one does. This one does. And it's nice got, and bonnie berry. And they got lots and lots of fruit from it. Great. Yeah. That's great. Which means. So did they. Oh, I should be having Gravenstein apples here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the nematodes are in. Good. So somebody who wants to talk about nematodes can call me up and do that. But there is a bug that attacks rhododendrons. And the adult of the bug, which is called a black vine weevil, eats the edges of the leaves. And when you look at rhododendrons and they have these big notches around the edges of the leaves, that means that at night the big black beetle is crawling up there and eating the edges of them. Yeah. But and the larvae are really the ones doing the damage down in the roots. That's true. They're and eating the roots. And that's what the nematodes Ex attack. Uh, and they do. And the nematodes are a naturally occurring soil. It's not an insect. It's much tinier than an insect. Microorganism. It's, it's, an animal. it's a microorganism. And it's, it's a, uh, you can see them under a microscope. The box I got had 250 million nematodes in it, and it was about the size of a paperback book. And so I've dosed them out so that I have little packages that you can uh, mix water with, and each little package is good for a rhododendron that's about three feet by three feet. That's great, Dave. So that way you can tell how many you need for what size rhododendron. And again, when you apply this, is it at the drip line, or is it all over the base of where the roots of the plant is? All over. Thanks. That's a really good point. You know, Most fertilizers like you put around the outside it, edge, right. this thing you want all over in it. So you're going to mix it. I, I have them in... Uh, in Ziploc bags that you can add water to and kind of squish the little and concentrate up in uh -huh. and make it into kind of a mushy paste. And then you add more water to it and you put that around. And you can put as many as you want. You can't overdo this. You know, and if, the, if you've got a really bad infestation, you do want to put several of these little packages around. They don't just attack rhododendron. No, they att attack evergreen trees also. Particularly fir trees. Mm -hmm. Right, and they also attack climbing hydrangeas. So if you've got oh, I didn't a, know that, and they, they do the same kind of of, of evidence is is seen on them. The outside edge of the leaves gets kind of frilled because they've been eaten. Hmm. All right, that's right. And I will have them if you want. If you're out of town, I can mail them to you. They are, they're good for uh, uh, this little package will stay alive for about two months. So during this two month time, that's the time we put them on. And right now is when they're active. The young growth is coming of the rhododendrons, and that's what the bugs like to eat more than anything. They like that young growth. But the nematodes stay active in the ground once applied. They are. And this particular. And you try to build a colony so that there is a protection against this weevil. Exactly. Forever. You're right on. That's what you want. You want to build it up in your landscape. And you know, it's if you biological look. Biological warfare. It is. That's right. All right. Really, really sneaky. But it's actually... Oh, that's us. They're, they're out there anyway. <laughs> I mean, the, the nematodes are naturally occurring in this I area. Know. They're just not in the heavy concentration like this. Right. And they're, this particular species is a low-temperature one. And the, thing, the, other, the other flip side of this is you're not trying to kill these things with chemicals because it's not been proven that you can kill weevils for in the long term with chemicals. You know, it's like it's like 
having to do it all the time in order to stay on top of the population because insects are so prolific. So yes, it kills this generation, but it's not necessarily attacking the next generation. So it is a it's a well-balanced application of how to manage a pest in your garden. And you know, before World War II, this was the worldwide pattern, was to find uh, insect uh, allies for the farmer and combatants for the pest. Like ladybugs for the aphids. That's right. And they had insectaries all over the world doing this. But during World War II, they developed DDT. And that was such a miracle, it seemed like, that the, all the old hundreds of years worth of research and development of, of beneficial insects just went right out the window. Well, I remember being a little girl and seeing this, being at the hardware store with my father, and there was a chemical salesman there trying to tell people that there was nothing to worry about DDT, and he actually ate a teaspoon of it. No. <laughs> and I'm like, can't do that, can you, Dad? <laughs> oh, go. I, I, I thought that was apocryphal. I didn't know that it was really, really true that people actually did that. That's, that's scary because... Well, there was a lot of misinformation even back when, you know. Even when you were... Okay, so yeah, you the salesman. You'd think, you'd, think, you'd think he'd know. I would never do that. I'm glad. Yes. I, I am sometimes aghast at how early and with what cavalier attitude... I was exposed to uh, pesticides. I'm not going to talk about that right now. I'm going to talk about... You grew up in California I'm on a, an organic I'm, farm. Okay. Good morning, conversations. Sorry to bother you. This is Norma again. Would you um, mention your um, email address so I can send you photos? Absolutely. I bet you. Thank you. Okay, Thanks. it's landscapealaska at gmail. And if, for anybody that's interested, you ought to look at our website. It's really, really a beautiful one. And it has these these lovely drawings in it of Margaret's work. It's well, very, thanks, very Dave. nice. It's cute. It is. It it's is. a really, really cute website. And that's landscapealaska.com. Now, I landscapealaska have... Landscapealaska at gmail.com. That's our email address. Right. Landscapealaska.com is our website address. Oh, I didn't realize they were different. I guess I did. Sorry. I think you did. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I have four only... Uh, Percy Weissman rhododendrons that are in bloom right now. And this is a stunning rhododendron. It's a dwarf form. It's an apricot. It's very pretty. It is. And it starts out pink. Mm -hmm. And it opens to pink and gold and fades to an apricot color. It's it's one of the most spectacular rhododendrons you're ever going to have. And you have them on sale, right? I have them on sale. That's right. That's great. They're normally $139.95 and I, I don't remember how much I knocked them off. But considerably. And, but I've only got four. So if you want one, come get one. And I've also got a few of those uh, big, double, dark red peonies. Yeah. With that funny center, you know, where they got a, the big ring of petals around it. And then the center sticks out like little waving fingers. Yeah, like a carnation. Yeah, look like a carnation. Inspector Leberge. It's a go. really, really old peony. So... Um, the concept of having old species of plants is always really exciting for me because you know they're going to disappear what happens is in the plant world it's just like fashion or architecture you know the, the bungalow was was popular in the 40s and now it's finally coming back 
<laughs> all the almost a hundred years later. Uh-huh. But in between that, then there's all this other there's ranch style and there's you know all other kinds of architecture. You know, well the same thing happens with plants. And so when you find plants you really like, you know, you should capture them while you can because there's no guarantee they're going to be available next year. Absolutely, and just like with lilacs, you know, during the during the 1870s, 1890s, there were hundreds and hundreds of lilacs introduced. But now when you look out in the trade, maybe there's 20. Right. You know, and, uh, and the only way to get some of those other varieties is to take cuttings from somebody's established plant. Right. There's a lilac garden in Washington State near where the bulb people are. You know, and, and would, would, would burn, not would burn, would village, would something. Woodenville? No, it's, 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 uh, it's like right that. at the sou- southern end of Washington. Right. And, uh, Outside of Portland. Yes. And they have about a thousand varieties of lilac in that garden. Mm-hmm. Well, we ought to go. Well, we have been. We've been well, once, we had to go years again. and years ago. Years ago, years ago. Yeah. Now we're old. We can get to go again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, and we should go now. Okay. Let's go get on the plane. Oh, we can't go get on the plane. <laughs> Darn. Okay. Next time we're there, we'll just wait for them to bloom. Well, you know, like, I love that uh, dwarf bee bomb that I was able to get last year called Be My Bee or something. It was a, it's an odd little name. And it's a short, really incredibly hot pink prolific bee bomb and uh i i couldn't get it this year i know so i'm hoarding the few i have i've given a few out it was definitely hit hard by winter but it's alive and i'm gonna put it in bigger pots and bring it on again i can't tell you how many people have called me up and asked do we have bee balm this year and we haven't been able to get it because they lost theirs and some of them have had them for you know 20 years i talked to a lady last year she said her yesterday and she said that hers was about four feet across and she's got just like yours little tiny maybe two inch high pieces of it right, but starting I think out from the edges chicken manure and they will come again i mean that's what i'm going to do with i mine. believe they'll come again too because they're really they're mint. They're really tough you know yeah. they're really they're I think persistent it's winter went on for so long and and <laughs> not just the bee bomb got hit you know what else really took a hit was lawns you know, yeah. I know you hate lawns, but <laughs> but there are so many people who have great big dead patches in their I lawns know. this year. I I see them. Yeah, I work on them. So I have a. I thatch uh, them out and I fertilize them and I seed them and cultivate and them and carefully them to come back. And pet them and they uh-huh. grow. So we have a uh, a grass seed mix that we have mixed for us in uh, Anchorage out of uh, Alaskan grown Alaskan native grasses. And it's got Alaskan-grown, Alaskan-native bluegrass and fescue in it. So these are the really, really hardy grasses. They're uh, they're from the North Slope, and they're grown in Palmer, and they're and they're and grown they're in slow. Delta. They're and, yeah, and they're, they're slow. They're slow, but they are tough and but persistent. But they're good, yeah. And so the lawns that have this kind of grass in them are not anywhere near as subject to being burned out or dying like that. If you look on the back of the grass seed package, you see what kind of grass seed is in it. And some of them are 80% fescue and 20% ryegrass, you know. And that's a fast-growing grass. It's going to come up real quick. It's going to be really green. But it takes a winter hit. It takes a winter hit. There's no doubt about it. You want to make sure that it has really, really tough grasses in it. Boreal fescue and and, uh, Arcturid fescue are the two main really hardy ones. You have Kenai bluegrass. You have... uh, 
Midnight Sun Bluegrass. And those you used are to be able to get Nugget, but not so much anymore, right? Not so much anymore. You know, there's it's apparently fashion. That's right. It is. It is fashion, but it's also, it's also uh, economics because, like you said earlier, some of them grow faster, some of them grow slower. There are really, really tough things that don't come very rapidly. So and they're nugget more expensive. That's right. More expensive. Nugget bluegrass is one of those. It doesn't set a lot of seed. It's a slow grower. But remember, hey, Paul Dick, are you on the air? I mean, are you listening to this? Paul Dick has a total nugget bluegrass lawn. It is the prettiest lawn in Juneau. It's at the top of Blueberry Hill. And he's devoted to it. He does. He takes really, really good care of it. But just like... Mows uh, it, fertilizes it, limes it regularly. Just like the uh, Daphne Mizoram. Exactly you know, right. It used to be a very popular plant, you know, 100 years ago, 60 years ago. But it took so long to produce because it's a slow grower, that people quit growing it. So now, you know, the only way you can get one is if somebody takes one of the sprouts off the bottom of the root and lets you have it as a start, and you have to start all over, you know, and you'll be 150 years old before it gets to be any size at all. But you can enjoy it anyway. For people that don't know what Margaret's talking about, Daphne Mazorum is they call also... It the February Daphne. That's right, February Daphne, and it blooms... Purple? Kind of. A purple it's pink. A purple pink, yes. It's it's a really, really intense purple color, and it's really fragrant, and it blooms before the leaves come on it. And right at the beginning of spring and the end of winter. It's tough. Right. It is really tough. tough. And you can smell it for a half a block away. I, I, we ought to look up where it comes from. It's in Eastern, Eastern European form. Mm-hmm. I did look it up a long time ago. And luckily... Somebody in town whose name I will not mention has been p- providing me with seedlings, and I've got about 12 or 14 of them available this year. Right. So we were able to buy it when we first started our business. And we a bought long time all ago. that were available at the all Pacific that were Northwest. Available, right. And, uh, but since then, it's not been available. So that's kind of what I'm talking about fashion. You know, it's like it's all about money. That's right. How and fast the, do you go? And the. Okay, we're coming to the end of our show. We're getting there very, very close here. Do I have anything else on my list? Oh, yes. The uh, organic fertilizer packets arrived this week. So if you want to get uh, trees fertilized or you want to fertilize your shrubbery, uh, come and see me. I have some specialty stuff like that. And also there are these really, really golden spireas. Really golden chartreuse lime mound spireas that are such glow-in-the-dark colors and if you want to see something that will take your socks off and kiss your little toes come look at these lime mound spireas okay happy father's day happy father's day miss you dad and uh until next week this is margaret and dave from landscape alaska wishing you all happy gardening